Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi there, um, I'm Joshy. I'm, um can be found on Twitter at Doc underscore Joshy, and I'm a Manchester United fan. Thanks for having me on. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. I write for EPLindex.com, and you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Now, for those listening at home, we're recording a good 20 minutes after the match has just ended here on Wednesday, so trying to get this to you as fast as possible. So if uh, we seem a little less rehearsed and or researched, that is why. Um, Joshy, obviously... It's because we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joshy, we'll lead off with you. Uh, Looked like it was going to be a very negative uh, appearance from you. On the podcast, but then a late combination of your big summer signings uh, sees you win 2-1 over Crystal Palace. Uh, what was your view of that match, and has there been any other news out of Old Trafford this week? Oh, uh, well, I mean, starting off with the match, I think it it sort of felt a lot like a lot of our games earlier on in the season where we dominated possession, we created a lot of chances, and, you know, it felt like we were going to get another Jose Mourinho interview or press conference where he'd come back with, oh, we're just not getting the luck, we're not getting the decisions. And for me, I, I'm, I, that kind of excuse doesn't sit comfortably. I do agree, we have dominated games and we haven't got the results we deserve, but in the end, or, or the performances might deserve, uh, but in the end, you know, if you're not putting goals away, that's down to bad finishing. It can't always be... Um, cracking performances from the goalkeeper or, or, or really poor luck. So it was really good to see today um, a, a player who actually I've given a lot of stick to already this season, even even though he's our top goal scorer, Ibrahimovic sticking away a really, really good finish, a quality finish and an important finish. It felt like a bigger result than perhaps it looks like on paper, you know, away at Crystal Palace who are only three points above the relegation zone, or at least they were prior to the round of matches. I don't know where they sit now, but, um, you know, on paper, it doesn't look like that big a result. But with the way we've played this season and and the way results have gone for us, despite good performances, it feels like a much bigger result, um, certainly for me anyway, especially as, as you mentioned, Pogba, and, and Pogba was superb tonight, and um, Ibrahimovic coming up with that really really good finish and actually his all-round play today was very good as well so overall obviously I'm really pleased to have got that result um, although we would have liked it to be more comfortable I think it's a step in the right direction uh, <clears throat> and obviously off the back of a, a good win against uh, Spurs your lot at the weekend so all in all last few days have been pretty good for us uh, in terms of news coming out of Old Trafford we've uh, 
it looks like Schneiderlin, Morgan Schneiderlin is going to be leaving us and, and he didn't even travel tonight whilst Schweinsteiger did. So I think there's probably a fair amount of truth in those rumours and, and it's James Ducker. He's pretty well informed in terms of the United uh, um, sort of press corps. So it looks like he's going to be leaving, going to Everton. Fee looks, well, hasn't been set yet. We don't know yet, but it looks like it's going to be around what we paid for him. So it's disappointing. I thought he could be a quality player for us. He did put in some good performances for us, but wasn't consistent enough. He did play 39 games last season, which is a lot more than I thought he had done. So he just hasn't got around to really cementing his place inside. And obviously Mourinho isn't convinced. So I think that's probably the major news sort of bit. Oh, and we signed a um, official music streaming partner. Obviously, that's the biggest thing. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> a, a Deezer, I believe. Oh, I think right. Android. Yeah, Every, yeah. Everybody loves them. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. <laughs> we sign up these usernames. But yeah, so that that's that's pretty much what we've been up to the last few days. Fair enough. It's also sounding like Depay may be on his way out as well. Martial kind of seems to be floating in and out. What what do you think is the future kind of of your wing position there? Um, look, I, I think Memphis, I don't know about him, you know. I, was, I, I did have high hopes and I thought Jose might want to try him out a bit. But obviously... He didn't have a great season last season. And again, much like Schneidlin, Mourinho clearly doesn't fancy him. And in fairness, he hasn't really performed when he has been given chances. Although this season, it's been pretty scarce. With um, Martial, I think last few weeks, his form is, it <clears throat> has been improving. He's be- he's becoming a bit more aggressive in his running, a bit more um, sort of... Um, his movement has a lot more purpose to it. He, ha- he got a couple of goals and match recently so I think he's coming back into form he's had a lot of off-field issues and um, you know there might be a case of that whole second season syndrome defenders are wary of him he's no longer that sort of surprise package he is he's earmarked as a as a threat so he might that the people might be doubling up on him things like that and I think yes he hasn't performed but he's still one of those players that when he's on the pitch he offers something different he can make something happen out of nothing um, and whilst his form hasn't been as good as last season, I think it is. it, it has been improving. I mean, tonight he was injured, but um, I, I still obviously have high hopes for him. I don't think he's going to fall by the wayside, or hopefully he won't, but um, obviously keep an eye on that. But he would be in my first choice starting 11 at the moment, so I'm not worried about him. And as you mentioned, Memphis, I think he's on his way out. And again, Everton were linked with him, but there's less concrete sort of... Uh, stuff coming out about him so i'm sure he'll be shipped out in january as well all right and also i glossed over the fact that you beat us quite gracefully there so now we're going to move uh on to <laughs> <Yeah>. talking <laughs> i mean i didn't want to dwell on it but again i think that you know now that you've brought it up um, <laughs> what have i done <laughs> it was a now big you've win brought up, i'm gonna talk about it for 20 minutes uh yeah yeah not 20 minutes but it was a big win for us because it you know that's probably the first big win against one of our or you know, I'm going to say direct rivals, but you're ahead of us still in the table. But uh, one of the bigger sides, one of the better sides with uh, elite players. So and and we had ground the better of you the past few years, but I, I think you having Pogba in that match was huge because Dembele used to just always bully that midfield. And yeah, that was a big happen. one. Yeah. yeah, and again, that highlights what how good um, Pogba has been in the last few weeks as well and particularly tonight and that Tottenham game he's much more comfortable with 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 sort of Carrick sitting behind and Herrera doing that box-to-box high energy thing and against Spurs he was very good 
and it was a big win for us. We ground it out. It was that one nil scoreline. It was sort of something that will give Mourinho a bit of confidence. Um, you know, we have been shipping late goals. You guys have scored, I think, the most number of late goals this season as well. So mm. I was worried for a while. Um, in the end, obviously, we got the result. And again, that was a big result. And two, two big, feels like big wins, even though, again, like I said, it's Palace tonight. But it feels like we're starting to get a bit more reward for the performances that we're, we've been putting in. So... Obviously, from my perspective, I hope it continues. Yeah, and that was a very good result from you. Um, Dan, uh, less excited probably uh, about the Everton result yesterday. Everton had been struggling, um, but then they turned it around. Ashley Williams, all six foot even of him, gets his noggin on a ball for the winner. Uh, what, what do you think went wrong in this one? Um, if I had to pinpoint one, I mean, we didn't play very well overall, but... Uh, I'd say we started well for the first 20 minutes and we got the goal. We sat off a lot and I don't think that was the correct approach. Um, obviously, if we'd not sat off and gone up and gone to try and push for a second goal and got caught in the counter, we'd be saying the exact opposite. But I I did think that we really need to get two goalie before we started to sit off or anything. And then uh, Everton were the better team in the second half of the first half, got a goal right before halftime. And... Um, Second half was, they shaded it for the first 40 minutes of it, and they went two and up, and then obviously we threw everything at them and got unbelievably unlucky at the end where that insane little sequence of play where we hit a free kick, put it in the box, check nearly got his uh, strange hat onto it, um, but for Stekhelenberg, punched it away, then it came, fell to, I think it was Nacho Monreal who had a shot, was, which was going in, blocked off the line, which fell to a Wobie. Again, shot, blocked off the line. And then I've only seen one angle of this because somehow I haven't seen a good replay. I guess no one has it, or I've just been incredibly unlucky not to see it. There's only one angle of the Alexis penalty shout immediately after, but I'm not sure if it was a penalty or not. But from the one angle I've seen, it looked not like a bad shout. There was an angle where it looks like, I can't remember who, was it Ross Barkley? swings the ball and he catches the ball first before catching Sanchez. So some people will say okay, that I'll, it's not. I'll take your word for it. Like I have but, only seen the, was, the live I angle. I thought it was as well at the time. Yeah, I, I'll take your word for it. And like, fair enough. Because that's the, the only angle I've seen is the, live, is the live angle for some reason or another. But yeah, and then they, they went and almost scored a third at the other end. But then somehow, I don't even think they got a shot off. It was, it was a crazy last minute and... Um, I'm not going to say we deserved a point, but well, up until then, I wouldn't have said we deserved a point. After that, you could definitely make a case, but we definitely didn't deserve all three. It wasn't a good performance. It was a bad result. We've been kind of getting away with those for a couple months now, so yeah, it's going to bite us eventually, and it did. Yeah, obviously, everybody else picked points up around you. What's What's your expectation for the season as we sit right now? Is it Title aspirations? Is it top four again? For what I actually think we'll get, I don't think we're going to win the title. I, as much as our, like, like I said, it's been a case where our results have been outdoing our performances. It's been very 13-14-esque. Um, I think eventually it will come back to bite us, as it did, well, I mean, this week wasn't even like, you know, the opposite where we play better and don't get the victory is more. We just didn't get lucky this time. Um, I think eventually we'll just we'll start getting results more apt to our performances. Not that we've been bad. It's just we've been, you know, third or fourth best team, not like first or second. 
And considering there are a lot of good teams in the Premier League this season to win the title, it's going to be very difficult to have enough bad performances and good results to make up for that difference in performances. Fair enough. Uh, quickly on to Tottenham. Uh, we won against Hull today. We definitely didn't lose to United at the weekend. That was so long ago. Why, why would we even need to talk about that? Um, but uh, in this one, I was very surprised at the strength of the squad that we put out. Um, all, all the whispers and everything were that this was looking like a uh, Ben Davis and uh, Kieran Trippier match. Does not end up being the case. Was very concerned about seeing Dyer paired with Wanyama because Dyer is covered for both Wanyama and Toby. And with them both playing and us having a match on Sunday, I was pretty concerned about that. Then as soon as we started playing, I realized why. And it's that we were playing a back three again, um, which is always an adventure, but uh, worked well for us again. And I do not think that Potch trusts Trippier and Davis as much in that formation uh, as he does when we're playing the standard 4-2-3-1. So they all start. So we expected a win basically the second we saw the team sheet. Um, Sissoko did get the start uh which was not surprising considering how good he did look in the back half of that United match that didn't happen. But, um, so he does get the start. And I'm going to be honest, his individual performances aren't bad. It just feels like they are in this separate island from the rest of the team. Like Each thing he does is positive, but it doesn't seem to impact anything, which is very strange. Who's um, Sissoko? Well, he is. But I, yeah. I yeah. Well, he was a bit like that for France, I think, as True. well. He, he, You'd see the a lot glimpses. of individually really good moments, and and I was you know surprised that you guys signed him to be honest. But yeah, it, I it was feels laughing like... personally, but yeah, surprise <laughs> is another thing. Well, I'm trying to be a bit diplomatic here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're... we're Americans now. Have you seen our lead diplomat? We don't do that anymore. <laughs> Oh yeah, we gave up. That's it. That's it. We gave up. <laughs> but uh, politics, fortunately, to the side. Um, yeah. So uh, Sissoko getting the start was not surprising. He had deserved it. I will. I wouldn't say he deserved to lose it, but I just think Sun is the better of the two of them at the moment. But we are in need of rotation, which we will talk about here in a little bit. Um, the main story here, Christian Eriksen. He's He's back into uh, what somebody texted me is FU form, um, where he's just at that next level, something that we haven't really seen from him since last season, to be honest. Um, so very, very good to see him hitting his form. I know that uh, Harry Kane has not been terrific the last two matches, but his presence allows Erickson the space required for him to do um, just his absolute brilliant stuff. Uh, has two goals, maybe an assist. Depends on how they rule that. It was... Uh, off the keeper, off the crossbar, down to Wanyama. Uh, but regardless of statistics, Erickson looks very, very good. And you have to imagine uh, that up against Burnley uh, here at the weekend, who have conceded uh, two-plus goals, or averaging conceded two-plus goals over the last five matches, um, you got to imagine that he'll be very good again, uh, assuming that he gets the start there. But So yeah, very pleased with that on the whole. As far as club news, there is a little bit of concern for me at the moment. We came out and talked about Paul Mitchell, who was our head of recruitment. He announced he was going to step down during the transfer window, that he was going to stay through the transfer window and then step down. After that, we signed Sissoko. A lot of people saying that he had been frozen out uh, by the club before we made that purchase, which makes a lot of sense, considering basically all of Paul Mitchell's had been successful uh, prior. Then today we find out that our head scout uh, did not have his contract extended right before a transfer window. So there's something weird going on in our recruiting and um, scouting departments. I'm not really sure what that is. 
the assumption was that they had identified, I know that Mitchell and this head scout had both personally scouted Bat Shuai and had gone to Levy saying, get this player. And based on how Jansen has performed since we signed him, you can see the frustration there. Um, but Jansen was a hell of a lot cheaper. So you, obviously that's always going to be at the forefront of Daniel Levy's mind. I don't think we do much in January, so I'm not really sure how much impact this has right now. But the summer is probably when we dive back into that transfer kitty. And, you know, there were a lot of excuses for why we fell out of the Champions League. But not in a single match did Lloris, Alderweireld, Dembele, and Kane play. That's the spine of the team. And the replacements did not live up to to what we needed from them. And so that is a failure on the part of the higher-ups at the club. Uh, There were obviously other reasons, but... Uh, you can't that they can't be overlooked, and now we're hearing that Paul Mitchell uh, is going to stay till the end of 2017 <laughs> before he leaves, which makes no sense unless Levy and Posh just went to him and were like, "Oh yeah, we messed up really badly. We're so sorry. Here's a bonus, and please stay for another year." Um, but a very strange situation with a person that's claiming he already wants to leave, staying for a year, and then somebody that seemed perfectly happy at the club not getting extended. Uh, hopefully, that all turns out. Positively, but it seems hard to believe at the moment. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. All right, now we will head into the topic, which recently we did talk about rotation and who, which clubs we thought were going to do it and such. My question this week is more specific and about the manager's responsibility because, Dan, I'm sure you've heard way too many times that you know injuries can be laid at Wenger's feet because he doesn't rotate or he brings players back too quickly, especially players like Alexis after he's playing out in South uh, South America. Uh, so my question for you guys is: How responsible are managers for player fitness and health? Is it up to them? Should we be seeing lots of rotation over this winter period, or if they're good to go, should they be good to go? Do you want to start, Dan, or should I? Um, I guess I'll start. Um, I mean, there's a lot of very specific things that matter. Um, First, it's more, it should be, you listen to the trainer's advice. If the trainer says he can go and you feel you need to play the play, and that feels there won't be a long-term effect on his health, then you should be fine to play him. You also have to make a judgment, oh, well, I have a game three days later. Again, go back to the uh, medical department. Is he good to do this, this? Ultimately, if you job a manager, if you li- or if you listen to the medical department, I think you should be at least mostly clear of criticism um and on contact injuries you should be completely clear of criticism uh the only thing would be if you are trying to rush someone back or play them when there's they're in what is the term the red zone or whatever 
uh, when they are in danger of picking up a muscle injury and you continue to play them over and over and over again, then you could lay a bit at the manager's feet. Um, or I guess if you, there's a player who is extremely injury-prone, like um, relevant news right now, I don't think this is Pep's fault. Ilkay Gundogan is going to be out for, Pep says, a couple months. He just yeah, it wasn't an injury, to be fair. Yeah, it was. Again, I'm not saying it can be. Uh, I'm not saying it is Pep's fault. I don't know the injury. Sure, impact. But more, him as an example as a player, if someone gets hurt a lot, maybe you have to take another layer of caution with them. Um, I'm reluctant to blame injuries on the manager, but you know, I guess I have to do a lot of defending on my manager when it comes to injuries because we pick up a lot. I mean, from my perspective, and I've got a fair amount of insight into this, given that I do a lot of consulting work in, in sort of sports medicine and, and health uh, healthcare technology, and and elite sports teams have a lot of access to technology, and it's the managers who use these or uh, sanction the use of these best that are probably going to find the most benefit. I'd never lay the blame solely at the manager's feet at all. These are integrated teams with, you know, dietitians, doctors, physiotherapists, sports scientists, um, all of these people who have who should be highly qualified and, and you know, working together to, to optimize players' health. And the key is they should be also not just managing injuries, but also preventing injuries. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening with wearable technology and things like that. Um, you know, there, there, there's that egg on Twitter who, who, who loves tweeting a lot about <laughs> top level managers. Ray Ray. Yeah, loves to tweet about top level managers and their sort of prehistoric training methods. But actually, I think when we look at um, the best sides in terms of the training, like Lester are an excellent example in terms of their training. Um, they have a lot of, uh, you know, the way they play, they play counterattacking football. Um, they have a lot of sprints and you'd expect a lot more injuries in their side, but they've got a really good sports medicine team um, who they have a lot of input into the way in which these players train. So they'll analyze these players' movements in matches, try and replicate um, these movements in training. So if you think, for example, um, a centre-back in an actual match situation will be looking at a ball coming towards him and he's going to have to, he's got a lot of twisting motions, things like that, to turn maybe, you know, and those things you don't necessarily think about in a training session where you're looking at technique, marking, tackling, heading, all, you know, that type of stuff. So integrating that into training sessions is important. So a manager does have a role to play in that sense. Um, so, but I think it is important to know that it is a multidisciplinary team where all of these people are coming together. You've got to have sports psychologists involved as well. Someone like Luke Shaw coming back from that horrific leg break you know, mentally going into tackles and things like that, you're going to have issues. So there may be, it may have been a sports psychologist involved there as well so you can't put the blame fully at the at the manager's feet what you can say is that when players are fit um or if they have an injury or they have a niggle they also have to sort of speak up and say you know i'm not feeling it or i'm not um there is an injury here but there has to be a fine line to how much you listen to that Mourinho said something earlier in the season about wanting players to sometimes play through that pain, you know, really show commitment to the team. And there's a clear dig at players like Luke Shaw, who sort of pulled out of training because he didn't feel it. And, and again, that's where maybe it's a psychology thing because he had such a big injury. And I'm not saying I support what Mourinho said, but, you know, he's obviously got a responsibility there as a manager to work out whether or not it is a psychological thing or whether it's a commitment thing. So it's, I think there are fine lines and, and balances to to take into account with this with this discussion if you've got a fully fit squad though for example hypothetically speaking 
then it is on the manager to work out what demands individual players can have. Someone like Michael Carrick, for example, can't play three matches in the space of a week, uh, or at least you know at his age, if, you know he probably can't play. He might do, but um, I think you have to manage your squad, and that's why most Premier League squads at that top end do are quite large and they do have quite a lot of depth. So it's up to the manager to use that well. And I think it's something Ferguson did quite well. Um, so it's not rotation for the sake of rotation. I think someone like Ferguson always used to say, I had my next three or four lineups in my mind because he understood that um, that rotation, especially in the second half of the season. And again, when we won the treble, Sheringham didn't get much of a look in, in the first half of the season. But Ferguson said to him, look, don't worry, you're going to be in there. So it's about squad management, not just about... Um, just sort of rotation for the sake of it. If a player can play three games in a week, that's fine. But you have to you have to spot those players and work it out. So there, it's it's a shared responsibility. Um, so you can't put it all at the manager's feet, but you can't put it all at the medical team. It, it's sort of they all have to work together, and that's this idea of like integrated and sort of connected sort of care with the whole whole team there. So it's a really complex discussion. We could go all night, and I have a fair amount of knowledge in that, but. Essentially, it has to. You have to take into account. Basically, it's about delegating expertise to the experts. You know, a manager doesn't make medical decisions. He can make personnel decisions, but he's not going to make medical decisions. So he's got to take on board what the doctor's saying, what the physiotherapist is saying, what the sports scientist is saying, all of that kind of stuff. And then, because it is ultimately his decision whether to play a player, um, in most situations, then um, it's it, he has to take on board that information and then come to the right decision. And sometimes it, it happens the right way, how sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, kind of wanting to follow up on you because we're going to learn much more from you than we would from my hot take sitting behind a laptop. Um, what, what do you think about the current injury rates in the Premier League? Because it feels like we're hearing about a lot more of them or that there are more of them, but that could also just be that our news sources are better, that we're constantly hearing about them, that all 20 teams are covered well. Is this just the result of it being a physical game that we're seeing an influx of injuries, if that even is what's happening? So I think that there's a a combination of things. I think you've got, well, first of all, you're going to hear more about it. I mean, there's there's a really good Twitter account. I think it's called Physio Room. They're they're on it. They're on the ball. And I think clubs do release their injury status to a certain degree. And, and you know, people are well informed. So that's going to be part of it in terms of access to information. And that's the same in any sort of walk of life these days. But then at the same time, I think we're in an era where now these guys are really finely tuned athletes. And we're at a level where small margins can have, you know, big effects like, you know, against, you know, I know we're going back to the Tottenham game, but. You know, Tottenham were just that sort of half step off the way uh, off us, you know, for a lot of the game. It wasn't huge margins. We didn't batter your goal. We weren't crunching into tackles, taking players on and you guys were half asleep. It was just those fine margins of that, just that half step off. And now because of that, um, you want your players to the optimal level. So you're, you're fine tuning them to that stage where they're really just, you know, they should be, I mean, you know, we obviously got ex- exceptions like, players like Wayne Rooney but you know these are athletes they're not just you know guys who know how to kick a ball really well they're they are proper athletes so when you're at that level it's again fine margins in terms of what can tweak you what can't you're on it's almost like if you think about they're always in uh, I don't know about an analogy but if you think they're always sort of in a sort of uh, state of tension if that was so they're ready to go if that if that Mm. if that if that makes sense Um, so if it does go the wrong way, then 
you know, things can just pop and, and, it, and it becomes an injury. And even a slight niggle is now an injury. Back in the day, a slight niggle, people will play through. But now because the margins are so tight and so small, especially in the Premier League where there's a lot of competition throughout the league, um, you can't carry that niggle. You can't carry that sort of um, leg ache or whatever it might be because you'll just be off the pace. Uh, and I'm talking about in general terms. Obviously, the best players might be able to carry it. Um, but, you know, people are less like the less sort of inclined to play through that pain nowadays as well because of the way they're protected. And, you know, even in the last 10 years, things have evolved um, from that stage. Now, players are also finding it difficult to hide injuries because they've got so much technology that they wear that you can actually, for you know, OK, we're not talking about football now, but in basketball, they've got um, technology which can tell them if a player is um, favoring a, a foot, a lead foot. So they're able to see and, and then track that back to what they were like before. So you may not be able to visually see that this player is suddenly not putting as much weight on his right foot. And, you know, it might be that he's just just come back from injury or he's hiding an injury or maybe he doesn't realize it, but it's still it's still not quite fully healed. And the technology tells you that he's not quite there. Back in the day, you wouldn't even see that. He might not detect it and he would play and maybe aggravate the injury. Uh, but now you can spot it even before it happens, rest him up, see what's going on and get him healed and then get him back out there again when he's 100%. So there's also advancements in the way we we analyze these players, the way we analyze their movements and, you know, even their sort of um, their electrolytes, their diet, all of that stuff is, you know, it's all tuned in to get them as highly sort of, you know, in, in that state of high tension where they're just ready to go and at, perform at the highest physical level, you know, mentally and talent that comes in differently. But in terms of the physical level, they're all, they should, the way these people, these teams operate, they, these players should be at their peak fitness. There are exceptions. Like Rooney's, Rooney's carried a lot of weight. He's just got that body type and he's an exceptional talent or has been over the years. So he's able to sort of carry that. His weight fluctuates. You can just see it. But, you know, we, when we're generalizing, that's the, these are the things that, that contribute. And because it's such fine margins, you can't carry that guy who's got a niggle anymore. Whilst back in the day, you, you would be like, well, play through the pain. We need you. These days, it's kind of like, well, you know, if you're just lacking that bit of pace... Wilf Zaha is just going to take you down that right. So like today, uh, Eric Bay stayed on the pitch when he got injured. And I thought, well, might as well just take him off because there's no mm. point risking it to start. And secondly, if he's carrying an injury, he's not going to be comfortable and he's going to be more prone, especially with the form that Zaha's in. So these are the things you think about. And eventually he went off. But um, yeah, and I think all of these things will contribute. And that's why you probably see a lot more injuries, or at least it's reported as an injury when in fact, you know, like I say, back in the day, it would have just been a niggle and you wouldn't even have heard about it, even mm. if you did have access to that information. That's, that's a very good point, though, that um, for managers, sometimes it's about thinking about the injury, but it's really thinking about the performance, that even if they're OK to go, it might be low enough. Like in your example, like Zaha has been so good and so and he's just so quick that putting a player that might be dealing with something up against him seems unwise strategically let alone the whole health aspect that we've been talking about so. yeah especially the type of injury he got today he landed awkwardly on his left knee which isn't the knee he was injured out injured with but mm. landed on his left knee it was just an awkward little turn and that's like it's a non-impact injury and that is a bit more concerning because obviously if you now repeat that movement maybe you're 
Zaha's just gone past you, he's done a quick turn, he could just collapse on it or whatever. I don't know exactly what the injury is. But yeah, you know, if it was an impact injury, you could run that off if there's no fracture or major bruising or whatever. And that's a different issue. But that kind of injury, you sort of should be more concerned with. In the end, he did go off. I think personally, as a medic, I would have probably, medic with this type of insight, I would have probably taken him off. But in the end, it didn't really, it, it didn't affect the result, but it has certain potentially aggravated the injury or made it worse than it, it could have been if we'd have just taken the precaution and taken him off. Very interesting stuff from you. I'm not going to try to speak after that and make myself look like a foolish fool. So we will head into uh, Player Watch. Not just a fool, a foolish fool. A foolish one, for sure. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, we'll do Player Watch. We're each going to talk about a player that impressed someone that disappointed for our club. If there's not somebody that disappointed for for you, then talk to us a little bit about somebody that impressed from the other side of the pitch. We'll start off with you, Joshy. So, uh, player that impressed what uh, this week or this today's match? Oh, interesting. Or... I guess there have been two. Yeah, let's go with both. So, okay, well, in, uh, in United's case, I think the, it's a pretty easy choice. Paul Pogba has been excellent over the course of both games. And his season has been, you know, people expect because of the amount of money we paid for him and sort of the YouTube highlights you see, he bangs in these amazingly spectacular goals and has done for Juventus. For, and at times for France so they expect that every week but that's not his game he he's he is a you know that you always hear the term Rolls-Royce defender like you know Rio Ferdinand was described like that um you know other players have been described about like, like, well yeah <laughs> maybe not um but I think Paul Pogba is a Rolls-Royce of a midfielder he's he's just very smooth he glides past players he's strong uh, he's got great vision and um, over the last couple of games, he's really, really been excellent. And for me, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I think he's going to have as big an influence at United as the likes of Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Brian Robson. I mean, obviously, they're all very different players. Uh, and, uh, and again, he's a very different player to all three of them. But in terms of his influence on the pitch, his influence at, at the club, um, his influence on the world stage, I think, you know, you're... I know it's again. I'm a United fan, so I'm biased. But you're watching pretty much the best midfielder in the Premier League at the moment, and he will be the best midfielder in the Premier League for a long time, until he goes to Real Madrid in a few years' time. You know when he's reached his peak. So, I, you know, I think he's over the last couple of games, he's really controlled the midfield. He's played some lovely um, football, some really great passes, and he got a goal today. Um, okay, it, it was offside and a handball from Zlatan, but he deserved it for his performance. So <laughs> I'm going to highlight him as a player that's impressed. And I think he'll only go from strength to strength. Uh, as a player who's disappointed me, oh, in the United side, I'd say Marcos Rojo. Again, his um, his tackling, he went in two-footed today again. Yeah, if he uh, made more the, contact, um, that's a red card. Well, that you say really that, bad. but against, against Everton, um, well, he okay. did the same it, thing. Yeah, and it, it, he should have been the red, red card, card I guess. as well. It should have been a red card, and yeah, even today it, it should have been a red card. And I'm in that sense, I am disappointed because it's it's not the it's not the red card that I'm I'm worried about. He can take he with the those challenges he can easily if he catches someone in the you know the wrong way he's going to break their leg. And first of all, you don't want to see a player's leg get broken, no matter sort of how much you dislike the opposition opposition team. And then secondly, for him, well, he doesn't want to be that guy who's broken a leg because he's making these reckless challenges. So, you know, it's not a disappointment in terms of performances because he's largely been excellent aside from from this issue. 
it, he's got to curb it because it's it's pretty dangerous stuff. Zaha dodged the the tackle today. I can't remember who the player was who he did it against Everton, but uh, he did get hurt, but didn't get seriously injured. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's something that he needs to sort out. And I think I, I caught the end of a, the Mourinho interview where he said um, Rojo is a clean player with in, in in the form of his life. I think that was about Rojo. Um, but that doesn't matter. It's not about him being that type of player because, um, to be honest, I, I didn't I didn't see this in Rojo. And actually, at the beginning of the season, I was calling for him to be more aggressive, but not in this manner. This is reckless and and dangerous. So I'm going to call him out on that. Fair enough, Dan. Um, for impressed, I'm going to go with Lauren Koscielny. He's been fantastic all season. Last year, he had a bit of a down year, which down year for Koscielny is still pretty good. He's been back to top level. He's very, very good. One of the best defenders in the league. Uh, he he's just he's been very good. Was very good in Stoke. Stopped a lot of attacks. Same at Everton. Helped. I mean, it's tough when you're. He had just had his centre back partner switched with um, Mustafi going off against Stoke, but still did a pretty good job against um, the second half of Stoke and Everton, and just did very well. Just did what a defender's supposed to do. You know, he stopped a lot of attacks. It didn't end up going well for us against Everton, but that wasn't his fault. He's been very, very good. Um, and again, it's hard to pick a good player out of that game. Uh, so I'll go with Koscielny. For bad player, uh, I'm going to go with Mesut Ozil. He was a bit off, just didn't look physically 100%. And, I mean, people are going to blame him for the whole... I've seen a clip go around where it looked like he said he had Ashley Williams, and then he just, you know, didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. Um, I would be more asking why is Mesut Ozil picking up? At, why is Mesut Ozil even in the box? Much less um, exactly. picking yeah, up Ashley Williams. Yeah, like I mean, I get um, for zone marking, you're supposed to put the best headers of all in the zones so they can actively attack the ball. But even then, it's not. It doesn't go directly from Giroud, Koscielny, Gabriel to Mesut Ozil. There are people in between. You'd <laughs> rather have on Ashley Williams, so. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to get on that, but his overall game was not, it wasn't good. He would just, there were a couple passes where you saw an opening that you would very much expect a player of Mezzanozo, one of the best in the league, to hit, and he just was off by a couple centimeters, but, you know, that's what counts. That's what makes him Mezzanozo. It's make, what makes him one of the best players in the league, if not the world, and he just didn't have it, today. he just didn't have it against Everton. Hmm. It seems like he it was something, a, oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry, no, it was something that I noticed as well. I think I, I read a stat that between him and Alexis Sanchez, they lost the ball 48 times against Everton, which is completely uncharacteristic yeah. of them. Um, yeah, I think I think a lot's been I'm, made of that, people talking about Everton bullying Arsenal. Sometimes it's just a bad day, and uh, I think those two had particularly bad day. Well, Ozil And then even, even for that stat, I would say it was more because it turned into kind of a basketball match, um, where it was just very much up and down, up and down, court. up and down, even... <laughs> Yes, yes, but it's. I know I totally mixed sports there, but you know what? Screw you. Um, uh, Dude, Sean Kilpatrick uh, would have hit the winner. That's all I'm saying. Yes, he would have. Um, we need Sean Kilpatrick. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, it was very up and down. Neither team had any control of midfield, which, you know, results in everyone giving the ball away more often than they normally yeah. would. Yeah, it was. That's actually, uh, you know, how I said we haven't had the best performances. That's been. Not quite a staple, but it's something that's popped up a couple times. It happening is West Ham, but you know West Ham are bad. 
So and mm-hmm. Arsenal are good. So you know we went and scored five on them. But here against Everton, they're not as good. The te- like just talent level, they're not as good as us. But they're better than West Ham, and they took a bit. It, it gave them a lot more opportunity to get into the game and not get suffocated by us. And they went and took advantage and beat us and outplayed us. But isn't it for games like this that Granite Zaka was bought? I mean, what do you make of him for the amount of money you paid for them? As well, a um, I think I actually thought I thought Zaka was quite good. I'm, uh, I, I'd say it's a fact. It's more of a fact that only three of our attacking six are really people who can control not not control of football. That is extremely harsh and not all what I mean. But um, you know, you only have three players who you think of that exert control. Walcott and Oxley Chamberlain are very much maybe Walcott's not an out and out winger, but they're not people who you would expect they're not wide playmakers who would you would expect to help control a game. And then add that with Francis Coughlin, who had who showed the best of Francis Coughlin and the worst of Francis Coughlin all in the same thing, where it was like his aggressive counter pressing created two very good chances for us, including the the foul that led to the free kick that was the goal. But his presence on the pitch also made it much harder for us to control the game and, um, you know, create out of more steady build-up play, and made it into what was a basketball a basketball game. That's not solely on him, but you know, the fact that him, along with Oxley Chamberlain, along with Walcott, all were there that contributed to it. And there's only so much Shocker can do. I actually thought he was pretty good, but and he, I think he's. He's been pretty good when he's got the chance to play. He makes some mistakes, but he's still only 23, 24. He's going to do that. Um, so I thought it, it could have been even worse if it wasn't. He, like, I think I didn't think he contributed to that game being insane. I thought he helped or did what he could to not make it insane, but there was just too much going against him to do that. Um, for Tottenham, the player that impressed... Uh, in both, still probably has to be Christian Eriksen. Had two free kicks that De Gea was forced to to make very good saves in. Which, by the way, I, I saw some people saying that uh, our match against United was uh, a boring one. But I don't know what people expected with Lloris and De Gea as the keepers in this match. Uh, <laughs> they're very, very good keepers, and we both have top five defenses. Like, there don't have to be... And, and this is, regrettably, one of the things that American soccer quote-unquote culture is bringing that I do not enjoy which is the same lust for goals as we have in the NFL now where like now rules are being changed to allow more offense sometimes you just have kind of a slobber knocker of a game and uh so I I did enjoy that aspect of the Tottenham United match it was a it was very well played by both defenses United happened to be the ones that scored we had our chances not too many of them but you know like I said Erickson could have scored a free kick here or there so um that would have obviously been good for us but I, I just Man, I just want us to back off that ledge a little bit because there's so much to enjoy about this sport that isn't just goals. The low-scoring thing in comparison to uh, like American sports is an attraction because you know when that goal goes in, it's so the much more release of tension. So exactly, it's just so much better. Like you know, I mean, I'm not into basketball, but I can't imagine I can't imagine everyone's up set shouting and screaming every single time a basket goes in. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it all and it seems to get exciting at the end of a basketball match where you, if it's tight and there's a buzzer coming down, you know that's when I, I I don't know a lot about basketball, so that's just from my outside view. But from football, there's not a lot of it happening. So you know when it does, it's like a huge release release of tension and mm-hmm. emotional energy. Yeah, completely completely agreed with you there. Um, 
I wasn't really super disappointed with anyone in the Spurs United match, and obviously wasn't disappointed today in the whole match, although it should have been five or six, to be fair. Oh, you know what? Kane was a little disappointed today. I'm going to take that back. Uh, but, as you said, Joshy, I think it's uh, he just needs a rest at this point. You know, he's played three straight matches um, of 70-plus minutes, and I just don't think he has it in him. We saw it at the Euros. We saw it at the start of the season. Uh, I just think he needs a break, and if that means Sun playing up front, maybe that's why Sun didn't get the start today, in hindsight, even though I judged Pochettino's team selection way too much for me to just be realizing this. But it might be that Sun is going to be kind of playing as a false nine for us at the weekend, which would certainly make sense um, from a Reston Kane perspective. And I already mentioned Burnley's defense. While they started hot, and Heaton is good in fantasy, uh, that defense is quickly crumbling around him. Um, so yeah, Erickson very impressive over the two. Harry Kane disappointing in this one, uh, for certain. We have matches again at the weekend, though. So we may as well talk about those. So many matches, so little time to, to fit all of them in. But uh, we will quickly go through those. So we will start off with, uh, we'll start off with you, Joshi. You are going to be traveling to face Tony Pulis's new attacking West Brom which is very strange. They're on three straight wins. Hadn't done that in quite some time. Uh, but you are on a roll as well. What do you think we'll see in this one? Um, <laughs> a complete lack of time to prepare for this. So I actually don't know. Uh, I didn't even. I knew they won today, uh, but I wasn't 100% sure how they've been getting on. Uh, to be They're honest... scoring lots of goals. Know, get... Matty Phillips for Ballon d'Or. Oh, excellent. <laughs> oh, that's good. We're coming up against a Ballon d'Or contender, so... <laughs> <laughs> we've got to keep our uh, wits about us. No, look, away from home, we've not been great. Uh, and that's been true for the last, well, not that we've been great at home either, but that's been true for the last, you know, three seasons and this season. So, we, uh, you know, we got an away win today. Uh, we got the win at the weekend, which is at home. But, you know, we need, you know, we need to start converting these away, away um, fixtures against these uh, sort of so-called lesser sides into wins if we want to be taken seriously. So, um, it's going to be very general in terms of my preview. Like I said, I haven't looked into it in a lot of detail, but I'm hoping that we're going to have a few players back. Uh, Valencia will be back from suspension, add a bit of pace to that right-hand side. Mkhitaryan um, is still going to be out until Boxing Day at the earliest, so that, that which is a shame because he's been excellent recently. So I think with them, and, and as always with United, we're better when we play with a lot of pace, uh, quick uh, passing football. So... I'm I'm feeling good because the momentum's there, uh, but obviously West Brom have the momentum with them. So I think it might be another game like today, uh, tight we, in terms of scoreline. Uh, we may dominate the possession just because of the superior quality that we have. And I think a lot of it will depend on Michael Carrick. I mentioned earlier that he may not be able to play three games in the space of seven days, which is what we'll be asking him to do if he was to play at the weekend. So if he does play... You're hoping that he's on it uh, because we've been very good with him in the side, and that might be key in terms of that midfield battle. So I- I'm anticipating a tight game um, like today, and hopefully we get the win. But I can't say that with a whole lot of conviction, to be honest, at the moment. But uh, you know, I don't mind how the results come as long as they come. Yeah, maybe Schneiderlin in the shop window. Um, <laughs> that joke aside. <laughs> Um, do you think we'll see Martial? Do you think that we'll see more of a, a mixing up of the squad here? Um, yeah, I think with if I think Martial is just a niggle in terms of injury. So if he is back fit, I think he'll be back in the side. We did lack that 
pace today. We, you know, a lot, we did create a lot of chances to be honest, but, uh, uh, they were from really, really good inventive passing, which you're not necessarily going to get all the time. Every time Pogba had some excellent little through balls, uh, Zlatan put in a couple as well. Michael Carrick put in a couple of lovely little balls as well, creating these opportunities. But sometimes it's just easier to slot one in the inside and have someone who's really quick get in behind the defence. And if you have that option as well, then these through balls become easier to play. So I think if he's fit, and like I said earlier, I think his form is getting better. He's becoming more aggressive. His movement's becoming better. So I think if he's fit, he'll play. Um, other rotation, I don't think Bay will start given his injury that he got today being a non-impact injury I'd, I'd rest him um I don't know there's not much scope for rotation I'm just hoping Marouane Fellaini doesn't come back into the side I think Jose Mourinho wasn't very pleased with the booing uh, and I mean I'm, I'm I don't condone it either but um I think Jose's the kind of guy who'll do something like start Fellaini just to spite everyone hopefully not <laughs> uh yeah I mean how many he conceded one goal on his own in what like a minute? Imagine how many he could do in ninety minutes. Yeah. Oh my god! No, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I kind of feel sorry for him in the sense that it's not his fault that he keeps getting picked. Uh, obviously, managers see something in him in training or whatever. I don't know, but as a fan from the stands, and I'm nowhere near as knowledgeable as the managers we have. But I just, I, I can't get my head around why we would play him because he doesn't play well with the ball at his feet. He's, he's much more effective in the opposition penalty area. And yet when we're playing him, we're playing him in that sort of deep central midfield position. Moyes did it. Uh, Van Hal, to his credit, to be fair, he, you know, he, he played him in more advanced positions and actually he was quite effective. But then last season brought it back into that more withdrawn central midfield role, which I just don't like him in that position. He doesn't have that sort of, um, that, uh, the, what's, what's the word? Uh, that guile you know, that guy yeah that ability that guile to sort of just pass stroke that ball around that one touch play that you, we've seen a bit more of this season on, at united you know playing with the likes of zlatan um Mkhitaryan, mata herrera pogba carrot you know these players can play that one touch quick passing football and retain possession in tight spots Fellaini's just going to put an elbow in your fucking eye and that's that's about it, right? And and then we've got issues. And he's just a clumsy guy. No, I, I don't get... in other places as well as your eye. That's he can true. Do other, he can do it in other places. <laughs> yeah. He's a multi-opportunity elbow. He's a... Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I can't get my head around it, but um, I, feel, I, feel, I feel bad for the guy because you can see he's trying. Uh, it's not his fault. I don't know the guy. He's not like, I don't hate him. I just don't want him to play for Manchester United ever again. Yeah, fair enough. Um, then Dan, you have a big match traveling to the Etihad where you'll be playing Manchester City, Pep Guardiola, uh, coming under some scrutiny lately, which I feel was maybe a little harsh considering how recently he's joined the league, but that notwithstanding, they do pick up the win today. What do you think we're going to see? Um, I mean, I'm not confident going in, but, um, I will say this is probably as good as good a city side for us to face in the fact that they're missing Fernandinho, Aguero, and Gundogan. That said, I'm still not very confident going into the game. We haven't... Uh, hmm. Well, as we saw against in our last two matches against um, bigger sides, three from a PSG game, uh, we got smacked in... Smacked against PSG, outplayed mm-hmm. against United, uh, and 
gets outplayed by a bit against Tottenham. Uh, we haven't, like I said, we haven't been entirely convinced of our performances. And, you know, City, even without Aguero, they have Kelechi. Uh, they are going to be struggling in midfield, but Pep will find a way to fix it somehow with, I don't know, a 1-1-1-1 one, 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 something, something, something. Um, some kind of crazy thing. Uh, and they just do have a lot of ability throughout that squad. Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva still exist. Um, and I was of teams we of the big teams we do usually play best in City, but I'm never confident going into big games. Uh, I'd expect I'd expect the City win if I had to put money on it. But we could I don't know we could win, we could draw, anything's possible. It's it's football, but um, I'm not confident going in. To stick with all the basketball talk we've had today, in the words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, uh, for Tottenham, uh, we're going to be hosting Burnley. That's that. Three times now I've referenced that defense stat for Burnley, so definitely uh, looking good for us. Our attack is finally clicking. Unsurprisingly, because Christian Eriksen is finally clicking. As I already said, I would not be surprised if Kane sits in this one. Um, I'm honestly not sure what we're going to do in defensive midfield. Or center back, like I said, uh, Dyer was the cover for both of those positions, and he also played today. Uh, I don't think we take the Burnley match so for granted that we see, you know, Cameron Carter Vickers or anything like that. So it will be interesting. This should be the Trippier and Davis match that we expect midweek. Uh, Pochettino has had faith in them in the past. Like I said, I do think the formation change today is what led him to not putting those two in. Uh, but last season, the back half of the season, you know, we were rotating every week or every every competition. So. I think that uh, there's a very high chance that they play. Harry Winks did come on as a sub today. I think he'll probably get a start there as well. I'm not sure Sissoko will play two in a row. Uh, but if there's anything he's good at, uh, you kept using the word early, he's, he's an athlete. Um, so maybe he, he recovers quicker than most um, and would be able to run and, and do it all over again. I don't think the stamina has ever been the issue. I think it's been the uh, caring level uh, in the past that, that leads to some of his lackadaisicalness. But... <laughs> That's definitely not a word. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I think we'll see Son, like I said, whether it's out wide or up front, I think we definitely see him. I think we see Ali again. Oh, Dembele was rested today, so I guess he'll, he'll be in there. Maybe Dembele and Winks is kind of a double pivot. That'd definitely be interesting to see. Uh, as for the actual match, I mean, Burnley have just been woeful away from home. Uh, they only have one away goal scored this entire season. Uh, now they're coming up against a team that's still tied for top of the league with the best defense. Yeah, you got to figure that this is all Tottenham and it's going to go pretty one way, you know, knocking on wood and such. But uh, I got to imagine that that'll be good for us. And uh, just because I like to corner you guys and the things you're uncomfortable with real quick, we don't need to get into analysis, just your overall feel of Everton versus Liverpool. Who you got, Joshy? I think that win against Arsenal last night did a lot for Everton in terms of confidence. Mm. Uh, and and they're at home. Yeah, absolutely. And if the Everton crowd get going like they did last night, then I can see Everton getting a win. Liverpool haven't been great in recent weeks. I know they got they got a good win tonight. Um, but uh, they're there for the taking, I think. They ship goals at the back. Uh, Lukaku certainly has the ability and presence to cause problems. Obviously, Liverpool had their own lot. So, I mean, again, it's a difficult one to call. Uh, on paper, you'd say Liverpool are favourites, but you know, you, you, after last night's performance, and certainly in the sort of after the first twenty minutes, you, you, you could, there's a case for Everton as well. So, if you're going to pin me down for a prediction, 
because I'm a bit of a biased Manchester United fan, I'm going to go 2-1 Everton. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, if Liverpool are at full strength, I'd say them all the way, but they're not, which is what makes it difficult. Come on, Kevin. Um, killing us. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Am I uh, killing you, Smalls? Yes, you are killing me, Biggs. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yes, I get the reference. But um, uh, mm-hmm. I still don't think Everton are that good. I really don't. Um, like, you know, solid mid-table. It's more if they're not going to take that step, that next step. But um, hmm, I'll say draw, just because Everton haven't lost at home this season and, and Liverpool aren't at full strength. But then again, Liverpool have a better team. So, yeah, I'll go draw. Yeah, I think Oh, and on Burnley, their only away goal this season is a penalty, so don't give up a penalty and you're good, because Burnley are bad. Right, because then we'll have to score two, which we've also shown uh, <laughs> reticence to do. Um, but uh, for this one, I was I was going to be controversial and say a draw, and then you guys, whoo, you went the other way. So for good radio, <laughs> Liverpool are going to win, because uh, Firmino <laughs> looked much better in the second half. The end. He's been garbage of late, <laughs> and if he starts playing the way he can, that's definitely needed. Uh, Divac Origi is on a ridiculous run of scoring goals. Uh, Mane, whoo, ran it's out good. of things real fast. <laughs> um, good at football. Milner at left back has a high work rate. Uh, Milner at left back is not very effectively, but whatever. <laughs> Mignole. Yeah, that, I found that quite amusing that he brought Minile back into the side after defending his goalkeeper. Oh, we, you know, in the yeah. Yeah. So, oh, Gary Neville shouldn't be talking about, you know, players or blah blah blah. And then, and then did uh, it anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna drop him. Right. Yeah, it was <laughs> so, it was pretty amusing. That's the thing with Liverpool. Yeah, they're excellent going forward, um, but they are vulnerable at the back, and they were battered recently. I, I can't remember who it was against, but. You know, they do have that vulnerability at the oh, back. Oh, so Boro. Where they lost 4-3. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So if they... Um, if, if Everton play like they did against Arsenal... Because they did cause problems and Lukaku was, I thought, excellent. Koscielny uh, had to be at his best to sort of try and shackle that. Hmm. Um, you know, they can cause little problems. It should be a good game, actually. It should. Um, if, if we get the, the two... If we get Everton playing like they did against Arsenal and, and Liverpool are sort of playing as they did throughout the season they'll ship goals at the back they might score goals at the other end so it could be a high scoring draw even though I went for 2-1 it will be interesting <laughs> to Everton pair my nemesis Ashley Williams with because um, Jagielka is suspended since he got the red card in like the got himself a minute. Christmas break oh yes I'm so cynical about that now oh it's real bad <laughs> he didn't uh, there's no way <laughs> Oh, I've completely that complete. I completely missed that. I just saw the red card pop up on the screen next mm. to the score scoreline. I was like, "Who the hell got sent off?" Yep. Um, yeah, I missed that. In yeah, the, no, Jackie Elchick. He went and grabbed someone's arm all, on a yellow in like the ninety-third minute, and no, then we all scored from that free kick, off. and then I got sad. Yep. That's probably that's a big uh, big loss for them because yep. I don't, don't think believe in Romero Funes Mori. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know Ashley Williams got the goal, but I don't think he's been particularly good this season. He is not. Uh, he would have got, no, got sent off if he if his two-footed tackle had been on an opposing player as opposed to his own player. <laughs> True. I did see somebody <laughs> asking what the rule is on that. Because you're still <laughs> endangering a player on the pitch. For what? So. Did you see that? He was on my team. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a pseudo-valid point. 
saying that it's a dangerous challenge I, and it's about player safety. Those things are not untrue, but come on now. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, oh, but he also went and kind of was the only reason Lux's free kick went in. Hmm. Oh, also but, true. I, I, yeah, I, I don't think he's very good, even if he did score a winner against us yeah. and his last goal was a winner against us, against Swansea, or for Swansea. Hmm. I don't think he's a particularly good defender. And actually, Jagielka is a big loss. So I'm now feeling that I might revise my prediction. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll swap over to Everton. Listen, they rested Morales for the most part. <laughs> they rested De La Feu. McCarthy looks like an actual footballer for the first time in like a year and a half, which was crazy. Like two years ago, he was super highly rated by everyone, and then he just fell off a cliff. Uh, Lukaku is great up front. Ross Barkley. He kept getting hurt because he kept – him in Ireland or what, he would either – play for Everton and get hurt right before Ireland duty, or, or he'd play for Ireland and get hurt right before coming back for Everton, and he just missed so much time. Yeah. Uh, also, Barkley buoyed by the hopes of moving to North London. Uh, goodness, please no. Um, will yes. find his form and actually learn when to pass the ball and when to shoot it. It seems like his brain is switched, and every time he has the ch- ch- uh, chance to make the right choice, he decides to do the other thing, much like Sterling's early City days. Um, so anyway, that's why Everton yeah, are going to win. So don't now, you, don't you know for Ross Barkley school of passing, it doesn't exist because he doesn't pass the ball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's this classic hype around these players that are remotely talented. Like he mm. burst onto the scene, people going on about him like he's the next Wayne Rooney, and the only he similarity. That amazing goal against Newcastle, and then people realize the only reason he scored it is because he doesn't pass the ball. Yeah. Decision making is terrible. <laughs> But the only similarity has to Wayne Rooney is that they've both Everton. got ugly square heads, right? And yeah. oh yeah, they've played for Everton. But you know, at his age, Rooney was already tearing stuff up at United. So after having started, you know, so this mm. these these this hype. Similarly with Jack Wilshere, I know you're an Arsenal fan, but similarly with him, he's the uh, hype. I'm, I'm, I'm not injury. on the Jack Wilshere fanboy train, so you're good. Uh, here. Yeah, so you know, and that, and, and again, actually with Spurs. Um, look, Deli Ali and Eric Dyer were excellent last season, but again, that, it takes more than that one season to yeah. become. And this now we're elite. seeing the Dyer regression yeah. hard and the Ali regression a little bit. And it might be a second season syndrome, it might be whatever you want to call it. People are getting more wise to their abilities, or or I think with Ali, he spends a lot a bit a lot of time doing tricks and stuff which don't really come off. Mm. And also um, abusing and this, other players and kind of being a bit of a twat. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, well, this, yeah, a bit of that. This hype train needs to chill out because, uh, and then the thing is, people are slating Wayne Rooney, and look, I'm not Wayne Rooney's biggest fan, but over the course of his career, he's proven himself. You know, at the highest level, he's won a bunch of trophies. He's one goal away from equaling Bobby Charlton's all-time goal-scoring record for United. He's the all-time goal scorer for England. So you know, these these are true achievements. Whilst what Jack Wilshere is like, what 26 and not really done anything 20, in the game. Oh, 24. Oh, 24. Okay, fine. He's not done anything except for one good game against Barcelona. That's a hyperbole, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, I have kept you guys uh, far too long, but thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Um, well, I'm Joshy. You can find me on Twitter at uh, Doc underscore Joshy. Um, yeah, I chat about football and uh, sports medicine, stuff like that. So look me up on there, and then you'll find a link to various portfolios and websites and all sorts. And yeah, Dan, you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. 
Um, we are going to record an FPL show tomorrow, so that's going to be Thursday. Hopefully I'll have that out by Thursday night, uh, so you guys can start preparing for the weekend already. Uh, in theory, I also have an Eagles Beak article that I need to do. Uh, shouldn't have said that out loud, because I'm not 100% sure that's happening. Also have a DFS video uh, coming out via VIPBet.com. Uh, that will be out Friday, I believe. So just kind of keep an eye out for all that fantasy stuff. For anything else, uh, check out my Twitter. And uh, for this show, you can find it at EPL Roundtable on Twitter, or you can always email us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Thanks, well. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.